the next episode of Nerd Clicks and Chill will start in three, two, one, zero. Hey everybody, this is Nick. And this is Carrie. And we are Nerd Flicks and Chill, and in this podcast we're gonna talk a little bit about Birds of Prey. We've got a DC film to talk about. And uh, it's going to be the second film, I think, for Margot Robbie playing Harley Quinn. Yep. And it's another uh, another kind of R-rated film, kind of similar to what Marvel did with Deadpool or what Fox did with Deadpool. So I think there's some obvious comparisons there, but uh, let's talk about it. Let's talk about Birds of Prey. Yeah, I'm really interested in what your thoughts are on this because uh, I'm kind of indifferent on it. And I hate when I have that feeling about a movie. Yeah, I, I, I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it exactly either. Interesting. Yeah. So for me, I, I really liked it a lot. I, oh. um, I think there are a couple of things that are a little bit silly, like the MacGuffin is kind of stupid, mm. but I really like this movie a lot. I thought it was entertaining. I thought it was fun. I think there's a lot of really great little details within the story that are interesting, and I also just love Margot Robbie and how she plays yeah. this character. I lo- You could tell that she has kind of an affinity for the character. You could tell she's having a lot of fun playing the character. She does a lot of her own stunt work, and a lot of the the women in this film did their own fight choreography. Uh, so there's a lot of effort, and I really appreciated all of those different aspects of it. A couple things I don't like, but on the whole, I, I as you know, with, with DC films, they've been a little bit of a a mixed bag, and that's being generous. But uh, I thought this was one of the better DC films that I've seen. Well, I would agree with that. I I do think it ranks as one of their better ones. Um, I would say in their top three, which is good. Um, it's definitely better than Justice League and Suicide Squad, and because we know how much I love that movie, and uh, you know Batman versus Superman. I think it's better than all of those. All of their what they consider like their tentpole movies. It's better than all of those. Um, but I did have some issues with it, but it's like the things that I liked about it, things I didn't like about it just kind of balances the scales. That's why it kind of leaves me at a meh. Like, yeah, it was good. I mean, it wasn't bad. I, you know, I, I think it's a solid, good airplane movie. You know, it's, it's one I don't think you have to rush out to see in the theaters, but you know, if you're on an airplane on a long flight and it's playing, yeah, totally watch it. Yeah. I mean, the last time we saw Harley Quinn, speaking of, of air travel uh she was in a movie that had three separate helicopter crashes that didn't seem to kill anybody yeah Uh, don't get me started on suicide squad i think for the (laughs) most part our shows have been pretty positive i feel like the suicide squad review that we did is the most negative we have ever been towards a film i would agree i still i still get visibly angry when i see (laughs) uh parts of that movie i just i shake and i just want to rage at the screen I know. It's just, it's so upsetting. It's so upsetting because I wanted that movie to be so good and fun and, ugh. Anyway. It's none of that. Nope. (laughs) So, yes, this one is definitely much, much better than that. But I think the reason why it's so much better is that the focus is on the character. It's a character study of Harley Quinn a little bit. Yeah. 
coming to grips with how awful she treats people, which is always kind of an interesting arc that a character goes through. Hers is compounded by a few other, you know, things that kind of feed into it. But again, I really enjoyed it. I think the script is mostly pretty good. There are a couple of areas where it lags. Yeah, Uh, I will say this. This is, I I think, the dumbest, like, MacGuffin I have ever seen in a movie. Where it's like, they're, they're all after some diamond, but, like, it's because the diamond contains account numbers to... A family fortune where the whole family was murdered, and if Ewan McGregor's character gets the account numbers, he'll be able to buy more political influence. That is a that is a paper thin, a paper thin, uh, you know, development within a story. But also, that's not how banks work. <laughs> like you can't just get an account number and be like, "All right, I'm in. I've got all the money." Like there's a whole bunch. Like when when everybody gets wiped out and there's like a fortune, that's a big thing. Yeah. Well, that's that is one of my overwhelming problems with this movie and with a lot of the other DC movies is that I think their plots are so contrived. I mean, we spent half of this movie just trying to set up the movie. I mean, if it's that difficult and that intricate, then, I mean, it's just, it's so, they make things so overly complicated and it's frustrating to me. And I, I wish they would simplify their stuff. And it's, it's not to say that it's not complicated because it's difficult to follow. No, I can totally follow it. But God, there's just so much detail and so many little things that they throw in there that just are not necessary it's like why are you making this overly complicated why is it taking so long to move everything forward oh well no we gotta go back and talk about this oh well no we gotta go back and talk about this oh now let me let me stop everything and so i can tell you about this okay now we can go oh but there's only like a half an hour left in the movie yeah and that that was frustrating that is actually kind of my second big criticism of the film is when they do those kind of time jumps within the film to go back and, and you know, backfill story. I get what they're going for. I get the way they're kind of tapping into the psyche of the character who, when they're telling a story really fast, they may forget like a whole part. Like everybody knows somebody who tells stories like that. Yeah. And I get it, but I also think it's like just a little bit, they get a little too cute with it and do it a little too much for too long. Agreed. It sidetracks the movie completely. Yeah. So that was kind of my second big issue as far as the film is concerned is just having that, that little bit that takes too long in how they jump around in time. I get what they're going for, but I would say that that didn't necessarily work for me. Yeah. It didn't for me either. And that was, that was a big negative for me. I mean, that kind, of, that and Ewan McGregor in this movie. Really? Yeah, I did not like him in this movie. Wow, at I all. love and him I in love this movie. him. I love him so much, but I found him so incredibly distracting because I hated his accent. I hated how he portrayed this character. It took me out of it anytime he was on screen. And I, the time that I thought that he was really interesting was towards the end of the movie when he had this other persona, when he had this mask on. It's like, well, why didn't they set that up earlier and like almost make it like a, I don't know, a dual thing. I, 
I don't think they, maybe it's because they just didn't utilize his character enough. I, I, I don't know. There's just, I just really, I did not care for him in this role. I did not care for his accent. I, it, I don't know. I just, I had a big problem with him in this. And that yeah, was a, yeah, that was, those two things were enough to upset the scales to make me not say this was a great movie. See, I was the exact opposite on Ewan McGregor. I love how he looks like, it, it kind of reminds me of when I would watch him in the Star Wars films, only in that he seems like he is having a lot of fun making this movie. He seems like he's having a lot of fun playing this character, which is basically just a physical embodiment of every aspect and characteristic of toxic masculinity. Like mm. if toxic masculinity were a person, it is this character. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, it's great because, uh, well, what I really loved about it is just the way he plays it. There's this, there's this sense of entitlement and ego and this kind of fake worldliness that he tries to possess. And it's also transparent and paper thin. And there's this kind of, uh, seemingly fun personality that's masking this rage that lies underneath. And I think he did a really great job with it. So I, I had a complete disagree. opposite reaction. Yeah. I mean, I, I get what they were going for. Um, when you were talking about the toxic masculinity and a sense of entitlement and stuff, but there was just something about the way that he did it that I didn't buy it coming from him. Like, I, mm. I didn't buy that there was this greasy sleaziness about him. Because I don't know why, there's just something about Ewan McGregor and his electric smile and everything that he has that he, to me, he did not embody that creepiness. Like, I think this character needed to ha be really creepy and sleazy, almost like used car salesman-like. And I know what he was going for, but I didn't get that from him at all. Hmm, and interesting. Yeah, I think it could have been better served by a different casting. And I don't know, I don't have anybody in particular in mind, but I just didn't get that slimy, greasy feeling from him that I think that character should have had. And I think it mm. would have been better um, if you had that person that you just felt like, oh, this person just makes me feel gross. And well, I just didn't feel that way from him at all. That's very interesting. Hmm. Yeah, completely. Just a completely opposite take. <laughs> um yeah, it's crazy. So those were kind of some of my bigger criticisms. The other one that I had, too, is when he does capture Harley Quinn, the way he lets her go, only to then put a bounty on the girl's head to capture her for the diamond, it doesn't really make sense. Like, I get that he's doing it for sport, but they kind of hand wave past why he does it. Yeah. But I thought that was a little bit unnecessary. Yeah, I also felt that the whole connection between the two of them, I felt like there was something that was missing. I felt like there was something that was edited out or something. Because the moment when his uh, right-hand man lets him know that Harley Quinn double-crossed him, he like almost starts to cry. Like He has this weird reaction to it, and it's like why do you feel so close to her? Why would you have this reaction? Like, you know who she is. 
why would you think you're any one different? Like they didn't establish that kind of connection between the two of them. Um, it just, it made it seem like he was this scummy nightclub owner and she just happened to go into his club. Like there was no kind of connection between the two of them. Why would he feel so slighted by her? But it I was think just, that's it, also it was just part a of very strange, ego. huh? I, I I thought that was kind of part of his ego. But that's the thing, though, is that they didn't necessarily establish that. Like, if they if that was it, then have him have that kind of reaction to other things that have happened to him. Have him have these weird, over the top, emotional reactions. Then well, that would did. fit. But I don't think he did so. have the. He had the one in the in the club. When he makes that woman get on the table and dance. That was the strongest scene that I thought that he had in this entire movie. Because that did make me feel uncomfortable. And I thought that was creepy. But that was the only time that whole movie that I felt that. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was dark. That was real. And I was like, wow, they're going there in this movie. And that's when I felt his character was the most compelling was in that hmm. that but i didn't get that sense from him at any other time in the movie he was just kind of annoying more than anything and then i thought the whole mask thing was weird i mean i understood like he was like had a collection of masks and he had this thing where it was showing him peeling off somebody's face and i thought there was going to be more to it than that like that part it didn't establish it enough. And then at one point they showed him very briefly wearing this skull mask. And then it's not mentioned again until the very end when he has it on again. Like there's this whole like persona there that they didn't go into. And I don't know. I, I thought that would have been really interesting or maybe if they did it, was it too much like, the Green Goblin or something? Was it going over into that territory too much? I don't know. Yeah. But there was just something there that I, I felt was missing with his character that I wish was a bit more established. And I don't know. Maybe there was. And it ended up on the the cutting room floor. I'm not oh, sure. Oh, please don't talk about a DC film on the cutting room floor. Please, I know. please, please. They please. have a history about it. So I would release, not be surprised. Release the Yan cut. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't put it past them. Like I said, they, they, they have a, con that, if anything, they're consistent. They're consistent with their movies and the fact that their plots are overly contrived. They cut good stuff, but leave weird things that have make no sense into the movie. And yeah, they always have their penultimate battle happens at night, which it does in this one too, but it happens indoors in this one, which I'm okay with, I guess. Um, but they always do the same things in their movies. It's so frustrating. But yeah, the editing room floor, I'm sure it's, mm. I'll bet you See, they yeah, did. I, I, I felt like he was sufficiently creepy the entire film, particularly when there is that whole face carving bit. I mean, he is kind of a psychopath, right? No, like, but I, I found feel like his, that is his henchman early. was creepier than he was. Yeah. From, uh, Sharp Objects. He was, uh, there doing some carving. Well, he was, he was, I thought his henchman guy was infinitely more creepy than him. And I felt that there was a weird homoerotic thing between the two of them. Possibly. Yeah. I kind of, I almost wish they would have pushed that limit maybe a little bit more. Maybe that's why he was 
such a chauvinist because he's trying to cover up the fact that he has secret gay tendencies, maybe? That would have been interesting. I mean, I think that if you were to take the characteristics of both of those characters and apply them outward to uh, what is generally perceived as toxic masculinity, I think that all... Every aspect of their characters fits in with those ideas. Yeah. 100%. Mm. Um, What I also wanted to talk about, those were kind of my big criticisms. The things that I love about this movie, I love Margot Robbie. I love how good a performer she is. There are certain things that she does, and people make fun of the accent going in and out, which it does. 100%. It does, yeah. But... What I love even more is her ability to convey emotion without any dialogue. Yes. And you and know she that's even something does I it love. here. And yeah. she's terrific. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Margot Robbie um, is the whole package as a performer, as a producer. Uh, she did so much of her own stunt work in this film, too. Even the stuff on the roller skates where she's being dragged by the, the car. Uh, the, you know, there are behind the scenes videos of her attached to a rig and she's doing some of the work herself. There were um, there was one moment in particular where you could obviously tell that it was a stunt woman that was doing it. Um, yeah. And the reason why I noticed is because the stunt woman's thighs were noticeably bulkier than Margot Robbie's were. Um, and there was a part where it's when they were in the police station and they're in like the warehouse of all the goods. And um, there's a part where the camera is behind um, Harley Quinn and you can see you're like, dang, that is a stunt woman because she has muscular thighs. Mar- and like the next scene, I was like, yeah, Margot Robbie's are not that muscular. <laughs> um, and there's a, within the same thing, there's a part where Harley Quinn falls and you can tell that they had um, like superimposed Margot Robbie's face onto the stunt woman's face because there was just something about the lighting and the, it didn't track just right. It was, and it was for a split second and I was looking for it. And I think if you were to watch this, not at a movie theater, if you're watching it like on an airplane or at home, and if you don't have a gigantic HD TV or something, it might be something that you don't catch, but it was just, it was enough where I was like, Ooh, that looked weird just mm. for that moment. It was it was just a little off because the coloring was wrong. Yeah, um, but she did she did do a lot of her own stunt work, which I thought was really really great. A lot of the women in the film uh, did a lot of their fight choreography as well, which I thought was awesome. I mean, ultimately, those things all really worked well for me. But effectively, this is Harley Quinn's movie. So if you buy into her journey as a character, if you're into her story, I think you'll be into the movie. And for me, I did. I I enjoyed her story. Well, I will say that I think the two things that are the shining stars in this one, yes, Margot Robbie is amazing as Harley Quinn. Uh, And you nailed it on the head. One of the things that I talk about quite often is when somebody is able to convey emotion without having to say anything. Her face is so expressive, almost to the point of being cartoonish, which for uh, Harley Quinn is perfect. She has such good comedic timing. There were things that she did physically with her body as well 
that were just so good and I found it so delightful. Just little movements that um just very subtle that I thought were really, really well. And yeah. the fight choreography. Oh my god, the fight choreography in this movie was so good. Um two of my favorite parts were um one in the in the jail holding cells with all the water when the sprinklers are going off. So yeah. good. And then also within the same sequence, um, when they are in that um evidence room or whatever I got yeah it was an evidence room with or not even a room it was a warehouse of stuff when Harley Quinn finds the bat and the choreography of the stuff that she does with the bat while she's fighting so good yeah and one of the things I was very happy to see in almost nearly every fight scene in this movie the camera stayed back so that you could see all of the action, because that's another one of my pet peeves in any movie, is when the camera is too close and you can't see the action and they do a lot of really quick jump cuts. Yeah. And it's kind of covering up the fact that either your actor can't fight or, you know, um, they're, they're covering up something. But the camera stayed back and you could see everything that was happening and there were long shots. Um and I, I just thought they did a lot of really good creative stuff in every one of the fight scenes. And those two are the things that just kind of maybe tip the scales a little bit in the positive for me in this movie. It was Margot Robbie and the um, fight choreography was just spectacular. Yeah, it was great. It was really great. It kind of, uh, I think they did a really great job with the fight choreography. I think, like, if you watch the DC television shows, they do this thing with fight choreography and they have a lot of their people on the DC television shows like Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow and The Flash, a lot of those actors do a lot of their own stunts too. I've noticed on those shows though, they'll do kind of like a three move sequence and then there'll be a cut, another three move sequence, another cut, maybe four moves if they're feeling fancy. Uh, but this one <laughs> seemed to have some stuff that was extended out a little bit longer. Yeah. And I thought that that served the film really, really well. Plus, I love the idea that she, you know, <laughs> has this kind of snowstorm of cocaine. She inhales it and then goes on a bat rampage. It's kind of amazing. <laughs> I thought that was cool. And I love the fight that was happening in the fun house. I loved seeing all the ladies fighting together and working together. And I was like, oh, you need a hair tie? Or, you know, let's do it. I just thought it was really cool to kind of see. And I loved that. Um, yeah, you know, that hair tie thing. Yeah. I have noticed that a lot of that a lot of people with long hair really tend to appreciate that scene. Yep. <laughs> because it, I guess it feels realistic. Now, I don't have long flowing locks, so I don't know what that would, what that would be like. Nobody's mm. ever uh, thought the need to give me a, a hair tie during a fight. Uh, when I'm, when I'm fighting a bunch of, uh, you know, dudes with weapons and stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I imagine it would be a pretty helpful tool. It, it is. And, and it did. And I like <laughs> how she's kicking ass as she's putting the hair tie on. Well, hell yeah. That's a skill right there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I do like the the rest of the cast too. I I have to say I absolutely love Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Love her, love her, love her, love her in this movie. Who is she in the movie? Uh she is Huntress. Oh, okay. Well, I thought I thought she was okay. Oh, I thought she was terrific. I, I'm a big Mary Elizabeth Winstead fan. I don't uh, know who she we is. have another Scott Pilgrim character now that is playing <gasps> oh, uh, a superhero. That's who she was. <laughs> okay. Okay. 
Yeah, so that, that movie has apparently turned out more superheroes than any other film, I think. Yeah, you know what? You're right. And I was wondering, why does she look familiar? Because I knew there was somebody that was in this, too, that was in Game of Thrones, but it wasn't, like, standing out to me. But I was like, she looks familiar, but I don't know why. But there we go. That's That was why. Thank you yeah, for that. Yeah, I thought she was, was kind great. Of crazy. I, I, I love the whole thing about her name and all that stuff. That, that was, was a funny. Great, great bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, love her character. Um, I, I really, really, really liked watching her a lot. I thought she did a great job with the, uh, fight choreography as well. The stuff that she did. Rosie Perez, always great to see her in a film. Really liked her a lot in this. And, uh, Journey Smollett Bell as the Black Canary. Love the Black Canary. I really, really liked her. Um, I think, uh, I think one of my problems with the Huntress was that, I found I, th- I thought that her character could have been more interesting. I thought she kind of came in too late in the game, and then she to establish her character. They did this whole backstory with her, and that's what really kind of halted the entire movie. Um, and we did this whole backstory thing, and then came forward again, but then didn't carry through with her. It's like we got all this backstory, and then now. We don't see her anymore. Okay, that was weird. I thought she was going to have more of a thing. And then she comes in later. I just, I thought she felt very fragmented to me. It just felt very, everything with her felt very abrupt. Um, I did like her. I just thought the treatment of her character was very strange. But that's another uh, thing that DC does too that I don't think they do very well is that they always have so many characters in a movie and I don't think they do a good enough job in establishing those characters. This was better than some of their other ones in the past, but this is it's a trend for them. They do this a lot. Yeah, they do tend to stock their movies with characters, that is for sure. Um, I think they, they just want to have as many characters as they can get into one of these things. <laughs> but, uh, I, I really liked all the, the women in the central cast. I thought they were really terrific. Uh, I, you know, I like Ewan and I like Chris Messina too. Um, I like the fact that there is no Joker cameo in here at all. Cause you have to keep that character kind of separate from the Joker for storytelling purposes in this film. I thought that was yeah. really smart. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'll, I'm going to tie a ribbon around that because I have something to say about that. No, go ahead. I was going to talk about something else. Okay. Um, so I felt a little misled, which isn't surprising, um, from the trailer than with what actually happened in the movie. Um, and maybe I missed something. That's entirely possible. Um I thought the whole thing with Joker was, I don't know, a little too easy. Like, they just broke up. That was it. Like, she just said, I don't want to see you anymore. And then we just broke up. Okay. And I had a hard time believing that all of this was going on and the Joker is just nowhere to be found. He's just not doing anything. Oh, I 100% believe that. (laughs) <laughs> well, plus they also they also imply that it was not she that ended the relationship; that it was he that ended it. I just I don't know. I just there was just something there that just it wasn't satisfying to me. 
But that's the whole point of the Joker's relationship with her, is he does not care about her at all. Which is why I think it is very weird when I see those people that, like, if you go onto social media and you see them post pictures of the Joker and Harley Quinn as, like, their relationship goals. Yeah. I'm like, you know that's a bad relationship, right? You know that yeah. is a, a horrible, yeah. abusive relationship that you're seeing. Yeah. Yeah. Literally toxic, actually. Yeah. Um, Which is why know, there's that subtitle of the movie, The Fantabulous Emancipation of Harley Quinn, because she is kind of uh, emancipating herself from that kind of um, relationship that she has that, that governed her life and made it awful. So what I thought was going to happen, and I, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe I just think that this may be a more interesting turn i'm not sure um i thought heading into it that because i they show the whole thing in the trailer where she's blowing up the the chemical plant and you see that, that she's sending this truck in to blow up the chemical plant i thought like there was something that like they oh we broke up but i was figuring they like maybe they were in the truck together and she jumps out and like she knocked him out or who knows what but like that he was in the truck and goes into the chemical plant and she thinks that he's dead that she killed him but she's not saying that she killed him they quote unquote broke up and and showing just how crazy she is but then there's somehow like a little nudge nudge wink wink that we know that we find out that like the joker's not actually dead at like mm -hmm. towards the end of the movie or something um like i thought that's what it was gonna be but then it was just like oh we just broke up and here she is walking out of his house or you know walking out of a house or whatever and i was like oh that's it okay well that's boring i just found it very unsatisfying hmm. so yeah I, again this is another spot where i disagree i just thought that um, I like the story of a person rebuilding themselves after, well, and, and also kind of rediscovering their individuality too, um, because people that are in those kind of codependent bad relationships sometimes give up their, their individuality and their sense of self. And, you know, in this way, she is, you know, rebuilding that. And what is an interesting theme in the film is that all of the, the people that she trusts, all of the, the, men that she trusts in her life all kind of screw her over. Yeah. Even the guy who owns the restaurant who she's living above True. ends up selling her out. Mm -hmm. And the people who um, are the ones who are the most helpful to her are the ones who um, are the, the ones she didn't expect that would be there to help, help her out. Right. Which I thought was a really great little, you know, uh, story in there. And there's, there's all kinds of, uh, I think there are, a lot of interesting gender dynamics in this film, uh, from the perspective of, you know, uh, women in the workplace who have been passed over, uh, for, uh, a, a dude, you know, who has mm -hmm. ex gone above them and taken credit for their work and things like that. The film is actually able to do quite a bit of social commentary there. Oh, yeah, very much so. And I think that's impressive. It does a lot with a little. So those are things I really enjoyed. Another thing that I really like is the costuming. Yeah. Costuming Costuming is really good. Yeah. You know, I love the, uh, that weird top that Harley Quinn is wearing that looks like it's made out of caution tape. Mm-hmm. I thought that was terrific. 
I also thought um, that there were a lot of really good lighting choices in this movie yeah. as well. A lot of lot of play of color or a lot of play with color. Um, I a couple of the things that I loved. I loved when the chemical plant blew up and there was like green and purple and and then another reason why I thought that had something to do with the Joker because those are like his colors. Um you know, from what you saw in the trailers, but I, I love the colors that happen with that. I love when she's in the police station and she's firing off those giant canisters and it's like, yeah, um, pink and bombs. blue. Yeah. And glitter and confetti. I just thought that was very whimsical and very much played into her character and just 100%. created these really cool backgrounds. Um, I just, I love that whole scene with her in the police station. I just thought it was so cool. Um, yeah, again, I agree. Just, yeah, all the fight sequences were just amazing. They really did a great job directing the action sequences. I thought those yeah. were, uh, they really stood out. I mean, obviously there's a lot of like superhero stuff that happens, so it defies the laws of physics, but like, you know, who cares? We don't go see those these movies for those That's reasons, right? It's a comic right? book movie, yeah. Um, I am so glad, though. That the Jared Leto Joker did not make an appearance because that thing, excuse the pun, he looks like a clown. Yeah. Like that, that is my least favorite incarnation of the Joker that I have ever seen. Which I thought it was great when they were showing, and I loved this sequence, by the way, the animated sequence of Harley Quinn yes. kind of explaining herself. I love the fact that when they portrayed the Joker, it looked, it was like the classic like Caesar Romero Joker. <laughs> yeah, I like that a lot too. I thought that was really well done. This movie also gets away with not having a lot of mentions of Batman. I think there's, you know, the, you know, she names her hyena Bruce and there's one reference to the Batman. Well, at the very end of the movie, after the credits. No, during the movie, they have one as well. Was there? I don't remember it. Yeah, I can't remember what exactly she says. But you know what's interesting? I think a lot of people do compare this film to Deadpool because it's kind of R-rated comic book. And that feels like the most uh, realistic comparison. The movie that it reminded me the most of is Kill Bill. Hmm, I could see that. I could see that as a blending of like Deadpool and Kill Bill. Although like I find Deadpool and Kill Bill to be far superior movies than this. But um, I could see that. You know, there's even both of them at, at, at a point in the film are both driving a car, talking to the camera, kind of breaking the fourth wall. Right. That's you know, true. There's, there's a lot of that kind of similarity uh, between the two films. Yeah. So I thought that was, I think that's a more, that to me is a more adequate comparison than it is to Deadpool. Yeah, I I mean I think either either comparison is being very generous to this movie as far as I'm concerned, but I can see it. Hmm. Yeah, I think for me what what brings it all together is the fact that like Harley Quinn is the center of the film. If that character works, I think the movie mostly works. Mm -hmm. And to me that's that was it. Like it was her journey that I was interested in. I feel like the character is one that always kind of lingers on um, having the sense to do the right thing, but 
is always kind of being manipulated by the Joker. So without his presence, it gives her more of the opportunity to do the right thing. Um, you know, she gets in her own way sometimes, but it is her journey in this film that to me makes it worth, uh, makes it worth seeing, I think. And, and that's the part that I really enjoyed, what I really took away from it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if she, if she did not shine as much as she did, um, as the character, I think this movie would have really failed. Um, like I said, there, there were, there were parts of it that I really, had issues with but the things that i liked were things that i really really liked um so that's why it kind of makes me hover somewhere in the middle maybe a little bit more on the positive side of the middle than i i initially thought as i hear myself talk about it but um i mean yeah it's a i thought it would have made a great summer popcorn i don't want to think i just want to go and escape for a little while type movie um but like i said it's definitely worth a look it's definitely worth seeing you know uh, like i said on an airplane or something i wouldn't pass it up (laughs) airplane film (laughs) yeah that's my gauge of things now like when i watch it on an airplane yeah or no you know that's my gauge of things now I've traveled well, so much. <laughs> I think DC as a whole is in a really interesting kind of transition phase because they yeah. tried the Justice League thing that yep. didn't seem to work out, but Aquaman did very well. I, you know, I don't love that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, nope. Aquaman did very well. Wonder Woman did very well. I do like that movie. Aquaman Flash, did well because of Jason Momoa. That's why that movie did well. Yeah, man. People love them some Momoa. I know it. Um, the Flash, if it ever gets made, it sounds like what they may be trying to do is kind of, uh, kind of, I guess, re-stitch some of the DC film universe a little bit. Um, you know, still not sure what's going to happen with Henry Cavill and Superman, if, if he's done or if he's not done. So there's an interesting kind of period going on over there where they're, they, they have these characters that they can build stories around, but they are having a hard time kind of bringing it all together and making it coalesce into a, a cinematic universe the way that Marvel did so well. And it's, it's interesting because when you see their opening of the movie, it's like they're wanting to establish that because they show a lot of their tentpole characters and then show this large silhouetted group, you know, of all these different comic characters. And it's like they're wanting to do that. But yeah, they're having a hard time finding their footing. Um, you know, and, and, and having a movie about some characters that people don't really know yet can be successful. I mean, look at Guardians of the Galaxy, for fuck's sake. Sure. I mean, when that movie was coming out, I'm like, I don't know who any of these people are. What is this? And then it was so endearing and such a lovely, well-done movie. But that's the thing is that I I think Marvel stumbles with, or they have until recently, with a lot of their character building and establishing these characters and getting you to care about them and, and having... A fairly simple plot. Don't you mean make DC? it. What's that? You mean DC? Did I say Marvel? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I meant DC. Sorry. Wow. I'm even getting screwed up in my head. <laughs> um, that's just, I think that they've really kind of stumbled, but it seems like they are finally getting their footing because their last couple movies, they've been better. They've been better than what they've put out before. So I think. 
they're on the right track. I still think they have uh, a little ways to go, but I can still see the potential in there. They've they've moved away from the Suicide Squads of DC and Batman versus Superman. <laughs> well, I also think that they've taken um taken themselves a little bit too seriously. Yeah. In terms of the kind of gritty nature that they wanted to establish with some of the films. And well, I, think I applaud them kind for of- trying it. I applaud them for trying it. It wasn't a success. And I think that going that hard, dark, gritty route, while it could have been successful, it removed a lot of the fun that you experience from comic book movies. Right. Or from comic right. books in general. Um yeah, I mean, especially with the Superman movie. Oh, that movie just made me angry. Um, yeah, and they had Shazam, which did well, too. I think it, it did very well. Yeah. And I think that marked kind of a, a, a new, maybe a new direction that they were looking to go in. And now yeah. I'll be honest, I I think Shazam is an okay movie. There's some stuff that I really had a problem with. But, um, you know, again, that's a more fun kind of version of a superhero. It's, it kind of brings superheroes to a point where they're fun again in this yeah. DC universe. Yeah. Uh, and then of course you have this film, you have Wonder Woman, which looks Ugh. like they're kind of embracing their eighties yep. glam. And I'm really looking forward to that movie. <laughs> yeah. It looks great. Yeah. It looks great. So hopefully they are starting to kind of get their footing and, and we'll get some better films out of them. And they just put out the screen test for Robert Pattinson in the Batman suit. Uh, with yeah. a little bit of Michael Giacchino's score, which sounds awesome, actually. So a lot to be excited about there, too. I think he looks great. He's got the jawline for it, you know? He really uh, does. I mean, just as long as he doesn't sparkle, I think we'll be okay. Yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> they pay you a shit ton of money. You're going to make the movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. Of we course. can't hang it over the kid's head forever, can we? No. But there have will. been some people in some bad <laughs> movies, man. Well, yeah. I've I mean, spent a lot of time watching uh, Riff Tracks and Mystery Science Theater <laughs> to know that there are some great people in some awful films. Mm-hmm. Oh, look at Sean Connery. He turned around. Yeah. And that abomination that he did back in the 70s, whatever <laughs> that was called. I mean, Christopher Lee spent so much of his career doing a lot of bad films. But then look at, you know, Lord of the Rings and the heavy metal album and he's redeemed. Yeah. Let me tell you something. I would pay money <laughs> to watch a biopic on Christopher Lee. That mm-hmm. guy single handedly has the most interesting life of any human being I have ever heard of. <laughs> he was an actor who played all kinds of Sherlock Holmes, Dracula, Count Dooku, Saruman, all that good stuff. Did over like 250 movies, but like he also was a Nazi hunter in the war, married somebody who was royalty. Just crazy, man. The guy had the craziest life I've ever heard of. Make a, a Christopher Lee film and I'm there. Make him a superhero. Make him Super Lee. Let's do it. Let's, let's get this going. Let's uh, do a Christopher Lee biopic. Let's get the uh, Kickstarter going and uh, let, let's do this. What he did a get? heavy metal cover of Man of La Mancha. <laughs> I mean, do you know how amazing that is? And then he has a song called Jingle Hell. <laughs> it's a Christmas song. 
Well, what are we talking about? Was he in a DC movie? What's happening? <sighs> anyway, I think we've exhausted all of our conversation on, uh, what was the movie? Oh, Birds of Prey. Yeah, exactly. What are we talking about? <laughs> or Harley Quinn in Birds of Prey, because they've kind of changed the name a little bit. Yeah, I noticed that as well, because it was just Birds of Prey, blah, 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 blah. And now it's Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, don't love the title, to be honest. No, I don't either. It's, and it's awful, because the Birds of Prey, that whole thing isn't even until the very end of the movie, and it doesn't even involve Harley Quinn. And only one of them is a bird. Exactly. So, poor choice of movie title. Now, I believe, and I don't know because I didn't bother to research because I don't care enough, but I also thought that at one time the original title of this film was going to be Gotham City Sirens, but I don't know. Was that the was that the name of the roller derby group that she was with? Was it? Maybe. Hmm. I, might just, I might just be making that up because it sounds like it should be. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't either. But anyway. I remember. I mean, I think hopefully this does mark a good new direction for them to, to go off on. Yeah. I think they're heading in a good direction and I applaud them for it. I'm very, very tough on DC and it's probably because growing up I liked DC way more than Marvel and so I'm harder on them and they're, they're getting there. All right, so you guys have heard our thoughts on Birds of Prey or Harley Quinn in Birds of Prey or Harley Quinn is a Bird of Prey, whatever the title of the movie is, but we'd like to hear your thoughts as well, so hit us up on the Facebook and the Twitter. Uh, you can find us there at Nerdflix Chill. You can also check us out on iTunes and Stitcher. If you're listening on one of those platforms, throw us a five-star review. Uh, you can also check out all of our new stuff at lrmonline.com. And while you're there, check out the network of podcasts. A lot of cool stuff for you to put in your ears. Thank you guys for joining us. Until next time, may the force be with you because the night is dark and full of terrors. <laughs>